Welcome to It's All About Jesus, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. Here's the, the better blessings. Here's the old blessings. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds of your flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you'll be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. And they'll attack you from one direction. And they'll be scattered from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain and the Lord your God will bless you, look at this, in the land he is giving you. The, for the most part, the promises of the old covenant centered around the promised land and God's people being blessed in that promised land. But the promises of the new covenant, what's the difference? The new covenant is focused, the main focus is on heaven, eternal life, spiritual blessings. Eternal things rather than temporal things. Matter of fact, I think that's one of the reasons why uh, we've, we've got such false doctrine among what's called the word faith teachers. They're, they're claiming all the promises of the old covenant. Well, then they better move to Israel and they better plant some crops and get some food baskets bread baskets and, and go through all that and, and fight the enemies. The old covenant was very earthly promises. The new covenant, the focus is heaven. Spiritual things, eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would have full bread baskets and, and safety from their enemies and, and they wouldn't, uh, and their crops will grow, right? Uh-uh. That you, you would not perish but have eternal life. The promises of the new covenant are deeper and richer and better because they focus on eternity and spiritual things. Uh, look, you've all heard this one, Ephesians 1, 3, that says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. So our blessings are waiting for us in heaven. We are in Christ, and that it's a different, you see the difference? Now, some of you would probably rather have some of the Old Testament, you know, Old Covenant blessings, but I'm telling you something, you won't be sorry when we get there, okay? You'll have no regrets when we get to heaven. Now, uh, let me give you one more verse on that before we move off of the focus on the better promises of God in the New Testament and, um, or the New Covenant. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says this, Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is for but a moment, 
is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You see, the main difference or a huge difference between the better blessings of the new covenant is that we're looking not at the seen, but at the unseen. We're looking at the eternal, not the temporal. And you've got to understand that because uh, there's too many people who are claiming all the things in the Old Testament. You know, God even told them you're, when you were out in the wilderness, your shoes wouldn't wear out. And, and you wouldn't get any of the diseases that, that are out there in the world. And, and this would happen and that would happen. Well, listen, start claiming that your shoes won't wear out and see me in about 20 years. I want to see if that works for you. But you've got to get it right. The better promises of the new covenant is all wrapped up in spiritual blessings. The focus is eternal life and blessings in Christ. Okay, so... Let's look again. Number three point of getting things straight here in your fill-ins is we have a better covenant because it depends upon God's faithfulness, not ours. Now, are you called to be faithful? Absolutely. No, God's called us to be faithful. And as we walk, you know, you don't always start out well. Sometimes some people start out better than others. Sometimes people backslide. We all have our struggles and challenges and backfallings or backslidings. But I tell you what, my confidence is God is faithful. Even when we're faithless, He's faithful. That's what the Scriptures say. And so it's God's faithfulness, not ours. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you so don't have to be faithful. Live how you want. No, He's calling you and wants to help you by the power of the Holy Spirit and to transform you to become more and more like Jesus Christ. The more you walk with Him, if you're walking with Him, you would become more like Jesus and God will do the work in you that you could not do. Better promises. Better promises of the new covenant. Number four is this. We have better promises because they center around the eternal rather than on the temporal. The eternal rather than the temporal. Now, if you've been paying attention, you probably already fill, figured it out and filled that in, right? Okay, so... Let's move on through our text today. We are going to finish the chapter. we got plenty of time here because I normally preach for three hours. Those of you who are visiting, I'm kidding. Okay. Yeah. We're in verse 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. That makes sense, right? We wouldn't need a new covenant if the old one was perfect and, and everything was great. But let me, let me get something straight, another thing straight. Is that the problem with the law and with, uh, with the old covenant wasn't God. It wasn't the law because the law, David would read Psalm 119, that your, your precepts are perfect and the law of the Lord is pure, making wise the simple. There's so much about God's law that is good and perfect. The problem with the law of the old covenant was me. You are sinful natures. The problem is we're not capable of, of fulfilling that. We could, we could say yay and amen like they said in Deuteronomy 26. Oh yeah, yay, amen. But you're not capable of doing everything God wants you to do. The problem with the law is our sinful natures because on our own, by ourselves, and our own nature, we can't do it. We can't keep God's law. The law, we looked at in Hebrews seven nineteen that the law made nothing perfect. Why? Because it can't change my heart. The law of God could just show me the rules. Show me that I'm a sinner. Show me what I can't do. But the law can't change my heart. Only God's grace can do that. And that's why as we read on, 
this next promise is quoting from Jeremiah what the new covenant is going to look like, what the new covenant is going to do. This is from Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31 through 34. And let me just read it to you, starting with verse 8. Because finding fault with them, in some of your Bibles, uh, I think the New Living even says, finding fault with the people, meaning the problem was us. He says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. By the way, this covenant is to the house of Israel and Judah first. You know, Romans 1.16 says the gospel is first to the Jew and then to the Greek. We get... We kind of get in by the hair of our chinny chin chin, okay? He goes on to say, here's, here's the covenant, the new covenant I'm going to make. Not according to, verse 9, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind. I will write them on their hearts. And I will be their God. And they will be my people. Oh, if they were just paying attention. The first century Jewish believers, if they're just paying attention, and went back to Jeremiah 31 and go, oh, this is it. God is beginning to bring about the new covenant that he promised. You see, the law of Moses could, could declare God's holy standard. But it could never provide the power that we need to totally obey him. Sinful people don't need more laws. Sinful people don't need commandments. Sinful people need a new heart. Sinful people need a new nature. That's why we talk so much about being born again. By the way, I didn't make that up. Jesus did. That's why we need to be born again with a new nature, have a new birth that only the Holy Spirit can, can bring. Now, by the way, this is not something that it's just isolated idea and only Jeremiah spoke of it. It's sprinkled and hidden throughout the whole Testament. Let me re- read you an example from Ezekiel chapter 36. Look at Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26. And I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. That's Ezekiel chapter 36. And, and uh, also, again, quoting Jeremiah 31, the next verse in, uh, in our chapter, verse 11, Hebrews 8, 11. Because I stopped in the middle of Jeremiah's quote. He says, None of them shall teach his neighbor and, and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. Now this takes a little bit of understanding explanation because actually both Jeremiah and Ezekiel were talking about a day coming in the new covenant in the millennial kingdom when everyone will know the Lord. You know about that? Have you studied about the eschatology? In the millennial kingdom, when, when Christ's thousand-year reign is established and, and the new Jerusalem is set up, that everyone will know God. You don't have to go, have you heard about Jesus? <laughs> I remember when I was a high school student, there were these Jesus freaks going around saying, do you know that Jesus loves you? And yeah, go away, you know. You won't have to do that then because everyone in the millennial kingdom will know the Lord. In that day, there'll be no need to share the gospel because everyone will know the Lord, okay? But until that day, 
It's our privilege and our responsibility to share the gospel with people. And can I tell you, I tell you from time to time, keep tracks handy. Keep, you don't have to be preaching at everybody. You know, go out to eat after church and leave a nice gospel track with a good tip. And, and always find a way to just share the gospel with people, with your neighbors and your friends and your, the people at the gym, wherever you hang out, because we're not in the millennium yet, okay? It, it's time to continue to share the gospel. And it is good to tell people, do you know the Lord? Uh, we're not quite there yet, the fulfilled millennial, millennial kingdom. Okay, verse 12 says this. And it's continued, quote, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now that's, that's a sweet promise of God. That something you have to keep in mind, in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, there was never really total forgiveness under the law because that's not what the law was written for. As a matter of fact, we looked at in Galatians uh, in previous weeks that Paul says that in Galatians that the law was given to, as a tutor to bring us to Christ, to show us our sins, to convict us of our sin, so that once we see the law and we see that we've broken the law, we come to Christ because he's the only one who could forgive us and he paid for our sins. And so the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. And once we come to Christ, we don't need the tutor anymore. See, that's the purpose of the law. But under the law, all they could do is the shadow. They would, they would sacrifice animals. And by the way, if, you, if you're familiar with Hebrew, uh, under the Old Testament law, there was atonement for sin. And atonement doesn't mean forgiveness. It means covering. Your sins are covered. So when you look at all the sacrifices of the Old Testament, what they did was they covered your sin so that you wouldn't have to carry your guilt before God. They were, it was atonement. Matter of fact, Paul, going into depth explaining this whole process, in Romans chapter 3, verse 20, he said this, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The purpose of the law was to show you you need Jesus. It shows you your sin. And the law couldn't promise forgiveness to Israel, let alone the whole world, okay? But here's your next fill-in. The Old Testament sacrifices brought a remembrance of sin, not a remission of sin. You see, there's another big difference between the Old Covenant and the New. The Old Covenant, every t year after year, sacrifices, remembering your sins, and oh God, cover my sin. But it didn't, never totally took away your sins. Uh, oh, I'm interrupting the uh, fill-in. Here's the next line. It is only through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that forgiveness is possible to all who will call upon him. And so you, you want forgiveness? I hope you do because we all need forgiveness. I think the saddest person in the world is somebody who never says, I'm sorry. Who never realizes they did something wrong. Who never admits their guilt either to God or to their spouse or to their kids. It's a good thing to be able to say, I'm sorry I was wrong. And we all need, one of our greatest needs, if not our greatest need, is forgiveness of sins. And it's only made available through Jesus Christ and what he did for us. That's the better covenant. Matter of fact, we were told back in, uh, in Hebrews 10, when we, when we get to Hebrews 10, he's quoting Old Testament principles. And he says, it's, it's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. They just atoned. They just covered 
the sin, if you study the Old Testament, okay? Now, when the author uh, that we're reading right now in Hebrews later quotes this Jeremiah passage in chapter 10, he takes it a step further. Let me, let's just give a sneak peek. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. He quotes it, but look at how he adds something. This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. And then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. Now that's the quote from Jeremiah, but then the, the commentator, the writer of the book of Hebrews says this, And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. Folks, because of Jesus Christ, you don't have to keep going to the temple. You can't anyway, it's gone, right? Because of Jesus Christ, you don't have to keep going, kill an animal, kill a lamb, slaughter a goat, kill a cow. Of course, it's good barbecue. You have fun with that. But you don't have to do this anymore. Because when sins have been forgiven, there's no need to offer any more sacrifices. It is finished. Jesus did it for us once and for all. We don't have to, we're not stuck in that system over and over again. And when the temple burnt down in 70 AD and the records were lost and the priestly function stopped, it was God's perfect timing because there was no need anymore. Because the Messiah had come, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world has arrived and paid the, the price and did the once and for all sacrifice and there's no need to continue that sacrificial system. Okay, let's continue on, but let's read verse 12 again. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. What does it mean that God won't remember our sins or iniquities anymore? It's like, is he forgetful? You know, if, if he forgot, then he wouldn't be God. Okay, it's not that God is forgetful. I know we used to tell, we used to tell uh, kind of, funny jokes about, you know, when you sin, you say, oh, God, forgive me. He says, you're forgiven by the blood of Jesus. And then the next day you go, oh, God, I did it again. He goes, did what again? Well, it's not quite like that. It's not like God doesn't know you and doesn't know what you've done because he wouldn't be an all-knowing God. But it, 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 he chooses not to remember. He chooses not to hold it against you. He's forgot it and cast it into the sea. As far as the east is from the west, so far has it removed our, our transgressions and our sins from us. That's a better covenant. I love it. It's good. And you know, by the way, we need to be, learn to be like the Lord. He did it for us. We need to do it for others. When people have hurt you, sinned against you, you don't write it down and go, I'll remember that. Someday I'm getting you back when you least expect it. Well, aren't you glad God doesn't do that to you? Matter of fact, you might want to write it down. Somebody sinned against you. Write it down and then tear it up and burn it. Because that's, that's what God did for you. He, he, as far as the east is from the west, he casts our sins from us. He doesn't hold it against us anymore. And he deals with us on the basis of mercy and grace. Not law and merit, okay? And he deals with us uh, in a way that I'm, I'm real happy with. So once sin has been forgiven, it's never brought before us again, and the matter's settled eternally. Now, look at this. Last verse. You didn't think I could finish a whole chapter in one sitting, did you? Now, we do have communion, 
And it's, I think it's a great chapter to have communion afterwards because we'll, re we'll be remembering that sacrifice of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We'll be taking a moment to go, I remember what He did and I put my trust in what He did for me, not in what I could do for me because uh, I couldn't do it. My faith is in God's work. Okay, verse 13. In that He says, a new covenant, He has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Six more years. Six more years. 70 AD, it would totally vanish away. But it, as far as the new believers who were born again, it had been vanished away. But God was just getting, giving them a little bit six-year grace period to get it before he totally took the temple away. Now, I do like, uh, I, I read a lot of Warren Worsby this week, so I'm going to read you a, a healthy quote from Warren Worsby about this topic. The Old Covenant was still governing the nation of Israel at the time of this epistle was written. The temple was standing. The priests were offering their appointed sacrifices. Devout Jews probably uh, thought that their Christian friends were foolish to abandon such a solid religion for, the, for a faith that was seemingly intangible. What the unbelieving Jews did not realize that their solid religion had grown old and was about to vanish away. In AD 70, the city of Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed by the Romans and the Jews have not had a temple or a priesthood to serve them ever since. Important to realize. Let me read to you once more um, verse 13 in a couple different translations. I Remember I told you, whenever you want to study something, read it in a few different translations. New Living Translation, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13. When God speaks of a new covenant... It means that he has made the first one obsolete. And now it's out of date and will soon disappear. I know I don't usually like to read from uh, interesting paraphrases, but one paraphrase puts it this way. Listen to this. Hebrews 8.13 By coming up with a new plan, the new covenant between God and his people, God put the old plan on the shelf. And there it stays, gathering dust. I can't help it. Every now and then I read the different translations and paraphrases. That's pretty good. But I'll tell you something, though, in all honesty. There's a lot of beautiful things about the Old Covenant. There's a lot of beautiful things that in studying the Old Covenant and even practicing some of the... I know there's been times... Well, one of our missionaries, <clears throat> Cyril uh, Gordon, who's a, a minister, he's a Jewish Messianic Jew, and he loves to minister and, and to all people, but he especially loves to reach out to the Jews. He, he wants to come out. We'll see if we could line it up. He wants to come out and do a Passover Seder. Why would he do that on a Sunday morning? Because it's so beautiful to see Christ in everything that God had ordained about the Passover Seder. It's so beautiful when you study the Old Testament laws, the Old Testament sacrifices, the Old Testament shadows, the temple and the priesthood. It was all pictures of Jesus. And so they're valuable in so much as they point you to Jesus. Okay? Remember I told you that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So it's beautiful. Don't throw it away. It's all valuable. As a matter of fact, I think the more you understand your Old Testament and the Old Covenant, the better you appreciate and could really comprehend the New Testament and the New Covenant. But if you remove Jesus then it's all, it's all a dead end, okay? Well, I love the Old Testament, and I want to live there and spend all my time. As long as you have Jesus, you, you take Jesus out of it, 
you, move, you lose the whole point. It was all to point you to Jesus. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this in John 5.39, speaking to the legalistic Jews who were so... These were not converted Jewish Christians. These were the scribes and the Pharisees and the experts of the law of Moses and they didn't want to receive Jesus as Savior and they thought He was wrong and they were stuck on their laws and Jesus said, You search the Scriptures. For in them you think that you have eternal life. But these are they that speak of me. You want to talk, talk about eternal life? Search the scriptures, but it's the ones that speak of me. You want to know about eternal life, forgiveness of sins, and life in heaven? It's all the verses that point to me, Jesus said. And by the way, you know, if you really study your Old Testament, very, very few verses talk about an afterlife. Uh, in Daniel chapter 9 through 12, you find something, you find a few little hints here and there, but very few scriptures in the Old Testament. Most of the focus of the Old Covenant was the here and now, the earthly promises of the promised land. So we have a better covenant, okay? Now, uh, the new covenant uh, doesn't depend upon man's faithfulness to God, but the new covenant depends upon God's faithful promises to me. I think that's a better deal. I think I, I, I like that. So the writer of Hebrews was affirming God's I will to us. As a matter of fact, it came to my attention as I was studying this, that in verse 10 alone in chapter 8, there's three I wills. He says, for this is the covenant that I will make in the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws and minds upon them and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. It's all about what God will do. Matter of fact, if you read verse, where was it? Verse 8 through 12, there's six I wills from God in that text. So that'll be your homework. You could find that. You'll talk about it in your small groups, okay? So it's the I wills of God, the new covenant, His promises to me. But I do want to end with a will you. Will you take God at His word? Will you listen to what God says and embrace the new covenant and say, thank you, Jesus, what you did for me. You did what I could never do. You paid the price for my sins and cast them as far as the east is from the west and I received the Oh, I, I accept it. I take it. Jesus He's the resurrection The lover of my soul We hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday Morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is one block north of Highway 44. You can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635. Once again, you can get any information you need at cceagle.org. There you will also find a link to join our Facebook page. So until next time, remember, it's all about Jesus. Yeah, the power of His name.